If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary Internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it. We take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio on your terms. Hi, this is Bill Burns from UFO Magazine and UFO Hunters. You know, there are several ways that you can get UFO, UFO Magazine. Magazine. Yeah, we know, Bill. We know, we know, we know. Just shut up. Just give us one way. Don't tell us you're psychic and, you know, give it 8,000 phone numbers and take 15 minutes of our time when we just want to hear the show. Just tell us how we can get UFO Magazine in one way. Okay, okay. Just go to www.ufomag.com. Subscribe online. You happy? Yeah, was that so hard? Actually, harder than you know. So the Jeff. So the Jer. How are you? It begins. It does indeed. The countdown well, to premium. Well, it's not really a countdown. This is pretty much it. Oh, right. <laughs> well, the countdown in days. Well, countdown in minutes uh, for this show, anyway. Uh, yeah, when will people be able to actually subscribe to that? T- um, today, I pl- as this I, airs? Uh, yeah, I plan on putting the uh, the subscriber page up on the website uh, as the show airs, probably late Friday night, so that that way through the weekend you'll be able to go and subscribe. And there's a bonus part to this in that the subscriber area of the site looks nothing like the above ground area of the site. (laughs) People are already thrilled by whatever that means. No, it actually looks beautiful. You've done a fantastic job. Thanks, thanks. And it's going to be neat, so... That'll be live late Friday night. I think I'll pull the trigger on it and just let it fly. Very nice. So what brings us together this fine day on our – this, our last of the completely free shows? Um, what do we want to do here? What would you like to do? <laughs> air air out like our ufological do? closets? Why not? All right. I say. Uh, what's yours? Go ahead. <laughs> mine? Get mine over with, huh? Yeah. You got anything? Um, well, let's see. As we all know, I think, um, the uh, issue of UFO Magazine with uh, my cover story on Emma Woods comes out this week, um, or or maybe early next week. So that ought to be... I'll, I'll be interested to see what the feedback is on that. I know um, now Emma has actually written me and said that there is a French researcher who had written to her and said he can't wait to get his hands on the article to read it and disseminate it amongst his ufological colleagues. We'll see what that means for all of Europe, who I'm friends with. Um, oh, oh. Yeah, Jesus. A little Greer for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but it's just interesting because the more I look into Bud Hopkins, um, the more of David Jacobs type stuff I see. And then I feel like, gee, do we need to start doing an expose on him? Like, where does this stuff end in terms of, expo- I mean, is one enough? Do we get it? Or do you have to like, just keep taking it to people 
to try to find the truth. And then if you do that, then do you become that guy? Oh, that guy doesn't care. He just wants to take people down and make a name for himself. Well, I think in terms of the whole regression hypnotherapy thing as it applies to the abduction research thing, I think (laughs) – how much more do you need to hear than Lillenfeld? I mean I didn't need to hear – I mean not that Emma Woods' story wasn't exemplary for what we were talking about. But uh, I mean what more do you need than what Scott came on the uh, the show and said? Well, people apparently need it. I mean there's – yeah, well, people they apparently are trying do. to hold on, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. But you got to realize, I think it's, it's, um, I, 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 at a certain point, you don't, you just realize that it is wish fulfillment and people have a hard time letting go of a, a preconceived notion that seems to fit or make sense to them, you know, in some kind of way, like, are they really after the truth or are they just after something else? You know, they want to be able to get their heads around it, but how do you do that? And hang on to something that clearly is a faulty practice. You don't. You can't. I, I, I think people eventually will let go of that the more that they read themselves and the more that they see themselves. Um, you know, cause, cause like I said, I don't, I don't think Emma Woods is going to be the only one uh, to come forward and say, well, here's hey. The thing. She's not the only one. And when I had said that before, it was because she had told me about a few other people who wanted to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. In terms of Jacobs, but I have since learned of from multiple sources, people who have left Bud Hopkins uh, support groups. Mm. In fact, one woman who believed that she was impregnated by aliens and, and have all those memories and just woke up one day and said, you know what? This is bull. I feel <laughs> as though I was pressured into believing this by the group. And wow. and, you know, that on top of her own just personal you know, whatever your own psychological issue is that you would do that in the first place, be pressured into a false memory. Right. And right. she's not the only one either. I've heard of several other people. So it's like I keep hearing about these people from mm. credible sources. Uh, and it uh-huh. looks like, you know, so for these guys, Hopkins and Jacobs, to come forward and go, well, Emma's the only one. This doesn't happen. is complete and utter nonsense, and they know it. Uh, so... Uh, you know, to, like, how f- does that need to be exposed? You know, do I need to, like, track these people down and try to get them to talk? Or do we just not care? <laughs> do you get it at this point, people? Well, no, I mean, I think it would be good to hear. I mean, and this is this is not – it's not about vendetta. It's about – it's not about any of that. It's about – But it will be perceived know, There's a problem way, here and that problem – well, I don't care. I mean, sunlight's the best disinfectant. I mean, that's the facts here. I mean, there's clearly some sort of – uh, a practice going on here that that number one has no psychological merit uh, as far as that community is concerned. I mean, Scott clearly made that obvious to us. And so, what do you do? I mean, I, I, you've got to get more people involved in ta- in speaking and saying, "I felt pressured. I didn't feel this. I didn't remember that." We we expose them to the Lillenfeld show. Let them listen to that, and then let that sink in for a week, and then have them on the show. I mean. Uh, see if they anything that he said in the course of our discussion with him that makes sense to what now they're understanding because they're out of that uh, I don't know that 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 festering place they're out of that kind of mode and now that they're out can they look back based on what uh, Doctor Lillenfeld said on the show and compare it and go yeah you know what that actually I did actually feel that way I did actually see this in practice this is disturbing to me that's disturbing to me I mean you know. Yeah, I just um, hope people are able to to look at side by side the credentials and the records of like a Scott Lillianfeld against anyone who's saying 
let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of hypnosis. And just ask yourself, you know, like, <laughs> are these yeah. both of equal value uh, opinions? You know, like, yeah. I, I think people can do that, but then I don't know, because ufology just tends to throw everyone at you at the same time and says, look, everything's equal, everything's valid. Well, the other thing is, is that everyone, it, this subject does have a tendency to make you examine the minute and not step back from the bigger picture and really assess what you're actually, what is actually going on. You know, I mean, there was a, uh, I'm on the UFO updates list with, uh, a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of, a lot of the named people, uh, around town and, uh, and just today, you know, there was this uh, big sighting in New York City of uh, what we now know was a, a accidental let go of some Mylar balloons. And it caused a big stir over New York, and it's like been a big story on there. And and uh, a gent today uh, post up uh, a still – now, now follow, follow me with this – a still from the internet from CBS – who obtained it from God knows where, right? Mm-hmm. So he's comparing these these three, you know, uh, dots of light in the in a in a, a clear New York City sky, right? Blue day, major sunlight, all of that, and he blows them up to just an incomprehensible photograph and says, "I'm seeing something in here." <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, first of all, what kind of camera? What kind of optics? What CCD chip? What manufacturer? Where was this shot from? What time? Where did you obtain it? CBS? Did you do a screen grab on a video that's already been compressed and put up online? And you know, and I made the statement, this piece of footage that you're banking so much on saying, I can't dismiss you know, this as something anomalous. Uh, we can't buy into this balloon theory hook, line, and sinker right now. Well, yeah, you can. Because you got nothing else to go on, and this is what you're presenting is not it. It's again, it's taking a step back and going, okay, you know, we've got a school here celebrating a something, and you know, and somebody lost a, a whole massive amount of mylar balloons. Okay, well, you know, you know, <laughs> were they mylar balloons I mean, or were they just regular old balloons? I think they said they were some sort of opalescent. You know, they were probably mylar, likely. You know, from what what I'm hearing, but uh, but grouped together and then some apart. I mean, I, I think the last report that I read said something about 40 of them were, you know, they 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 let loose of them somehow just by accident, and that's what happened. Um, whether it was accident or intentional is irrelevant. You know, the fact of the matter is, this guy's putting up. Uh, some inferior picture that is not even remote, remotely from the, the genuine source, but rather passed around like a whore on Saturday night and then analyzed by him to say, I see something here and you're not seeing anything more than artifacts of the camera, artifacts of blowing it up far beyond its, you know, its, its intended viewing area and, uh, and trying to make a mountain of a molehill. It, you know, it speaks to the same guy now who is uh, taking UFO footage and blowing it up and then pixelating it to such a massive degree and then trying to pick out shapes of little green men with antennas, you know? Nanu, nanu. <laughs> Fuckhead. I mean, that's the same thing. It's, it's, it's trying to make sense of data that doesn't 
provide you anything of use to even start examining. Uh, but it, I mean, it was pretty clear to step back from that issue. You can, you can look at it with a, with a fresh face and not your ufological face. Let's look at this in a, in a rational way and say, okay, here's this, here's this. I don't no flight characteristics were unusual. I mean, I've so far I've emailed back and forth and spoke on the phone with five people up there who have seen something, three of which contacted me directly. And I said, did it, did they exhibit anything unusual as far as flight? Well, no, they just kind of got tinier and tinier until they were gone, but they sparkled a couple of times and they seemed to shimmer in the light. Look like balloons to you. And, and, and four out of the five people said, yeah, I think it was balloons. Only one of them, a, a young lady up there said, no, I, I don't know. I just, it seems weird. It seemed weird to me. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm inclined to say, yeah, it's balloons. Um, but when you've got your UFO goggles on so tight that you can't get them off and take a step back, that's where the problems start. Well, here's a question for and you the, about that. Uh, so yeah. as I had posted uh, footage from East El Paso of uh, something that the news people themselves had captured mm-hmm. on film, and they were saying, um, right. we don't know what this is, and they were comparing it to the New York footage. And like, take a look at the formation, and it's kind of similar. <laughs> All this nonsense, and we don't know what this is. Uh, we contacted... Um, airport and they said that there were some show planes and we asked them what what group and they couldn't tell us mysterious and then they they left it at that right and then i had asked you could this be planes and that becomes the narrative right could this really be planes well the answer is it's not planes it's this group of parachutists that have a pyro display attached to their ankles Mm -hmm. uh, and they do a night show and they were doing a test run and there's footage of it and you can see it and yeah it's the same freaking thing so uh, yeah. it's not planes, uh, but it is this other non-anomalous thing. Right. So right there, okay, that's all destroyed. Now, I, I say that to certain friends in this UFO business, and their answer is, yeah, but it's still good because the media is now putting it out there, and they're treating it semi-seriously. So even if it turns out to be a mundane thing, they're implanting the suggestion that this stuff is real and that it's okay. It's like a slow creep into acceptance. Uh, and and huh. like, to what end would that even be uh, good? Well, of course, if there's a galactic federation waiting for us, <laughs> then it's yeah. a way to ease us into that, blah, blah, blah. But do you even buy the premise that, that it's okay and, or, or beneficial in some way um, to, uh, to put out a bunch of bogus stories? I mean, this is something that they could have done. Oh, I don't know a little more investigative reporting on and figured out that it was not show planes, but indeed parachutists. I mean, do you think that any, any coverage is good even when it's explainable? No, I don't. (laughs) No, I don't. And here's why. And it's the exact same reason I gave the gentleman on on the list about when it came to New York, I said, uh, you know, unfortunately when you put a story out like that as a news service and you make it, even if you treat it seriously, which I'll do credit to taking it somewhat seriously and going, Hmm, what is this? You know, let's not forget at the beginning of the El Paso footage that you saw on YouTube, which is residing on our message board right now. I think the male reporter starts out by saying, well, here's what everyone's been waiting for. Right. So that means it's the last news story of the night. They've kept you around watching the news for that last human interest story, which they always do. That's likely what it was about. 
to start with. But treating it seriously is one thing. That's that's fine. Okay, I, I'm I, I understand that point. The problem is, as I said to the list today, to spend time on this when an answer is is there, when the possibility of an answer is there, or it doesn't take very much effort to do this, to continue to harp and go, I'm not quite willing to accept this, is yet what I see for that all being is yet another place for the fundamental skeptic fundamental skeptics to go, you see, you see, you see how this works. They want to believe this. It doesn't matter what it is. They want to believe it. We've got balloons here and we've got skydivers here and they're still crying UFOs. It's just another opportunity to leave yourself open, to be marginalized both as the field as a whole and the people in it. That's what I see it being useful for. That's what it's good for. It's good for them. Right. Uh, Do you want to get into what you've been battling about on this list and with whom and all of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's not been, there's not been any battle lately. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, and this, this goes back to some topic that we've covered. Well, a lot probably <laughs> on this show. And that's this whole uh, notion of, uh, of the ETH the extraterrestrial hypothesis and the the resistance to it within the field. And uh, I was telling Jeremy that the resistance um, to the hypothesis, the resistance to alternate theories to right. the hypothesis or, or alternate theories in general. Um, I mean, we talked a lot about when we were at the X conference and you stood up and and asked at the X conference, "How do we know this is extraterrestrial? What what other explanations are there? We're building this whole." infrastructure of diplomacy and disclosure upon what exactly what proof do we have that this is extraterrestrial not saying there wasn't a phenomenon and we told everybody then about the reaction you got from the crowd which was what are you here for and all of that and i was over at ufo iconoclasts which is rich reynolds board and i don't even remember what the story was i think it might have had to do something about stanton friedman and, uh, you know, and I, everybody was pretty much saying, you know, that, uh, there's not a whole lot of new thoughts coming from Stan and a lot of other older, you know, veterans of ufology. And, you know, I went on there and I, I was respectful of Stan cause I do respect him. But, um, at the same time I said, I think that basically what Stan did would was to to bring to bring a little bit of of credibility to this in a serious way to treat it in a serious way uh, to take the hardcore facts to the skeptics that there is a phenomenon going on um, all of that work that he's done has been great but I think when it comes to his uh, statements about uh, the extraterrestrial hypothesis and zeta reticuli and all these kind of things. I don't find a lot of usefulness for that because it doesn't seem to fit the phenomenon to me and to a lot of other people. And so my statement was, I think that we've basically outgrown uh, Stanton's extraterrestrial explanations for the UFO phenomena. And clearly, you know, Stan said on our show, I think that he's not, he's not resistant to other explanations, but he's interested in the extraterrestrial explanation. Same with Kevin Randall. I mean, Kevin wasn't willing to dismiss other ideas. It's mainly, I think, public. So I get this guy, Joseph Cap, who 
comes on to the iconoclast board and uh uh I had put up a thread uh a little reply in there about uh uh about the feedback theory the feedback loop and uh and I've explained that on this show so everybody knows what I'm talking about and the reply to that uh which doesn't include extraterrestrial involvement by this Joseph Kapp was, you know, well, people who pontificate things like this obviously aren't up to the smarts of ETs. Uh, this is the stuff of, uh, of religion and blah, blah, blah. And basically just, just tear me apart. And, uh, you know, and I, I went on there and I said, I said, well, you know, Joe, the, the problem is, is that you, you got nothing in all the time that, UFOs have been studied in this modern area 60 plus years. We don't have that single tangible piece of evidence. We don't have this. We don't have that. It's time to start looking in other directions. And, uh, you know, you can try to marginalize everyone or shout down everyone who says the ETH doesn't fit. Let's move on. Let's look at other things. We can't take it off the table. It can't be taken off the table. But we can focus our energies in other directions that might afford us some progress. And that's the point for me. It's like what progress has been made in all these years of following that hypothesis, which is still clearly, excuse me, the uh, favored one, I would say. So it just comes down to that. And I, I kind of sat back after writing that. And, of course, when I wrote my reply, which was um, not horribly lengthy, but lengthy enough to get my point across, um, he didn't really have any – response to it there wasn't he, he didn't say anything more about it um and so on ufo updates something came up and uh, uh and i responded with kind of more of the same like where has this gotten us what 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 has this afforded us as far as progress goes and um and jerome clark another guy who um you know ha- has has done a damn fair share of work uh you know, just really got seemingly offended about what I said regarding uh, the whole thing. And, um, and again, I laid down a whole list of different things. Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense for us to keep harping this and keep following this. When you mention paranormal with UFOs, that's when it seems to start. That's when the dander gets up. And then when you say the ETH doesn't seem to fit, then it's it's on for a lot of people. And Jerome made the statement to me that uh, people have been dissing the ETH for years to imply that speaking out against it or earns you the ire of people is ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, well, you mean like yours? Um, yeah. And clearly does, I was getting on his nerves. And doesn't somebody like saying. Jerome Clark – know about the connection yeah. of the all the other paranormal stuff hasn't he investigated this stuff hasn't he spoken to oh, other hell yes. investigators so yes. what is he even defending what is a guy like that defending i don't get it i don't i don't know i don't know and it really kind of blew me away because i it's like I defending against myself, your own knowledge yeah it's yeah like, well that's almost yeah, like defending degree, against is. your best interest in a way <laughs> yeah yeah it's well I, you know and it's it's one of those things where when I've heard him on other shows talk about this stuff, I always, I've often thought, wow, we really think a lot alike. We really, uh, we really should get him on the show. We should really, you know, talk to him. And all of a sudden it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, really? Jerome Clark thinks this or, or doesn't, you know? Um, and again, I laid down a whole list of things and it was cherry picked over to, 
uh, a reply. And, and basically, um, what I walked away from, in my opinion, from the list that time, his last reply didn't answer anything that I posed and uh, basically said, uh, um, this isn't worth my time and uh, I've got things to do that uh, are work involved, so I'm going to go do that. Okay, well, that was it. But what was interesting was is that uh, Mr. Errol Bruce Knapp, who runs the uh, list, uh, it, my response is actually grew into another thread, which he retitled bashing the ETH. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? Why am I getting retitled to that? You know, I thought we were talking about this subject. All of a sudden the subject is now split. And, um, uh, you know, I thought that was like a little bit, I don't know, shitty, <laughs> you know, it's a kind of I was right. like, why don't you just draw a bullseye on my back now? Okay, great. <laughs> but, um, you know, and Stanton Friedman, he he chimed in with it as well, and he said that uh, when I said it hasn't afforded us any progress, he then uh, started going on about how well uh, it's made us think differently about um, space travel, and it's made us think differently about uh, our place in the universe. And this, well, that's all great, but that it's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, what has it done to afford us progress into the ET? Uh, or rather the UFO phenomena. What has it done to do that? It hasn't done anything. We're not any further than we have been. Um, and and I, I get extraordinarily irritated when when people go on about, oh my God, I mean, you, you could go on for hours about stories of people with the ET thing. And, um, and I think you had something uh, on the Black Fridays that you talked about that all of a sudden you got, oh, what, what do you mean, Jeremy? You know what this is. Why don't you just say it? Yeah. I, 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 it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that there is no more proof for that than there is any other theory. Well, I, I should say that that will be – At all. There's no more substantiative coming, evidence. That, should, that will be this coming Sunday's uh, – just in case people are like, what, what episode was that? It's this Sunday's. With Alan Steinfeld, who, mm-hmm. funny enough, had an exclusive for us, which was a man named Umo and a woman named Astral. And Umo had uh, filmed the uh, New York UFOs, and he has this whole story, and it sounds very Greerian of, you know, they basically communicated with him. He felt the urge to pull over on uh, whatever, Park Avenue or Madison Ave and, and film these things, and then... You know, uh, it, it feels love and light and the Galactic Federation, yada, yada, yada. And I was fine with listening. I think, you know, anyone who listens to the interview, you'll hear just us listening for a while as basically Alan interviews them. And he does a good job of doing that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when it comes to, like, actually uh, talking with any of them, like, Alan is very a very pushy guy. And so he wants to, you know, challenge me on my notions of stuff. But his notions of stuff is just completely outlandish and uh let me qualify that it's outlandish in that <laughs> he's saying that it's disingenuous to call this the enigma because i was saying it's disingenuous to say these are aliens when it's unidentified unidentified right. is unidentified right uh right. and he was saying well no what humans do is interpret things so it's disingenuous of you to especially me being an experiencer to pretend as though I don't know that these are aliens uh, and so on and, and so forth. And to call it an enigma and to not take a guess at what it could be. 
To which I was like, well, if I took a guess at spontaneous regeneration back when, uh, should I have just stuck with that as a scientist and been like, well, yep, flies come from meat. You know, should I have just been like, yep, the earth is flat and and not investigated because that's what the culture of the day told me. I mean, it doesn't make any sense what he's saying. So it's ludicrous. But here I am in, you know, being forced into an argument about about complete nonsense in my opinion and then to talk to people like this it's like can you even say to him to umo or astral you know uh those were planes or or you know those were balloons or i mean it's just or we know what to get you for your birthday to make you feel happy balloons (laughs) because because he'll be inspired by them you know i mean and i saw his footage (laughs) you put it on youtube but i don't know what his footage is of but you can't know what his footage is of because He's mostly taking it while he's driving, and so the camera is shaking, so you're seeing, like, double image, and they're both shaking. So it's like, okay, you've taken an image of nothing. (laughs) Of an airplane, uh, a blimp, the space station, I don't know what. Right. Um, But then, of course, you ask the the question that I think is sane, which is, well, if you can call them down, because he talks about, you know, meditating in a field. Very greery, and once again, you meditate in a field... And this thing came right over his head, this pink UFO, right? And it's like, and, and Alan asked him, oh, right over your head, like, right over your head? He's like, well, no, high up in the sky, like treetop level? No, 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 high up in the sky, but just positioned over our head. And I said, well, you know, to what end do you think this is? And then, of course, they get into, this is the Galactic Federation, and they're trying to acclimate us and blah, blah, blah. And to which I say, well, how long do they need to do that for, Alan? I mean, you believe this has been around since the beginning of man, right? So how long do they need to acclimate us? <laughs> how long do they need to study us anthropologically? How long do they need to inseminate us and, you know, make kids and all this sort of with technology that we have better technology uh, than they do? Right. I mean, all of this stuff, right. you know, and there are no good answers. And to ask that question to not Alan particularly, but the other two, you can just hear them getting offended. Like this is a real right. challenge to their belief system. So I ask them again, the same question of, well, why don't you just call them down since you have this connection? And then when you ask a question like that, you can feel the disconnect in the air because the answer is, well, we're not ready. Humanity isn't ready, so they're not going to just land and blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying, as I said to Greer, no, 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 no. I don't mean everybody. I mean you, particularly. You have a connection to them. They make you feel love and light and all this. They give you information downloads, and you can call them to where they're above your head. Why don't you just call them down? They'll open up their spaceship door and you'll meet them. Why not you? You're ready for it. And then there's this disconnect where it's like, well, it doesn't work that way. Well, why doesn't it work that way? Well, it doesn't work that way because they're from uh, the, a higher vibration. And so it takes a lot of energy to get to our density and, you know, and on and on and on. And, and we're not worth it. Ugh. Well, apparently we're worth communicating with, but we're not worth landing for and Change, yeah, switching we're, densities. We're, 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 we're <laughs> worth diddling with our private parts. We're worth that, but past that, we're not really interested. Your your gross your your gross capability of reproduction. That's what we're here for. Uh, yeah, and yeah. then Alan is saying, you know, uh, well, what about you know? He's saying that they're here, you know, acclimating us and and, and love and light and all this horseshit. And I'm saying, well, and earlier he had referenced Bud Hopkins' work, and I said, well, <laughs> how would you? Put that up against Bud Hopkins' work, which is, you know, his conclusion is it's either malevolent or um, at least ambivalent alien space doctors. That And I said, if you look at the mainstream coverage of this, 
aliens are evil, right? So if their message is love and light, it ain't working, right? But they don't get it. And and actually, I think part of the disconnect too, because they were talking about how the world, you know, is like, this is all happening now, we're heading toward 2012 and the world is getting more enlightened and, and all of this in humanity. And it's like, well, no, here's two things. One, you run in new age circles and two, you live in New York where everyone's like mostly liberal. So I think if you step outside those two shells, uh, you're going to see that the world indeed is not getting <laughs> more enlightened and in many ways is actually getting worse. Uh, right. Just even in terms of our own, just U S political system, things are getting awfully crazy and racist and weird so, you know, mm-hmm. things are not black and white that way. They're not black and white toward enlightenment. They're pretty much what they've always been, in my opinion. And, of course, I asked Alan, you know, you put on these New Age conferences because he had put on the, the 2012 Crystal Skulls conference in New York, um, which they were trying to make the case that these UFOs appeared in New York because the Crystal Skulls here plus the Mayan elders, it opened up some sort of gateway and these UFOs came through, you know, they can't seem to decide. Are they Galactic Federation? Are they coming from a gateway from somewhere? You know, it's like, whatever the theory is, it doesn't, doesn't matter as long as they're here in good guys. Uh, so I right. said, well, you've been doing this for how many years? Ten. You've been into the New Age how long? All your life. So has there ever been a point in history when uh, it wasn't right around the corner? Have you ever thrown a New Age conference where this wasn't the year, when things weren't getting better? when, you know, humanity wasn't about to transcend to the next phase? Has it ever been the case, the opposite of what you are telling me now? And I said, and please answer as honestly as possible. And he said, no, probably not. But he said, this feels like, once again, you know, but this feels different because more and more people are paying attention. But this feels like it, right. Yeah, right. this always, so yeah. we're always feeling like it. And I guess it's like, that's when you realize, like, this really is a belief system. And the belief system is this, this eternal cup's half full. Uh, I don't want to deal with the realities around me. Everything's always on the precipice, on the cusp of getting better. Um, and they don't pay attention to things like politics and things like that. So they don't even know what I'm talking about when I bring up like, well, what about this and that and the other thing? You know, what about racism? What about the Tea Party? What about just any of the local sort of stuff that's like indications we're going to hell in a handbasket? Or right. the economy? Or, you know, fat cats on Wall Street? You know, any of this stuff that has gotten us into this quagmire we're in right now. How about the wars? You know, all of this. It's like right. they just can't see it. They don't pay attention to that. And then to challenge it is to not just right. be incorrect. It's to be offensive to them. And it's like, it's almost like I'm evil for, right. and again, not Alan, but the other two. Um, because Alan has a sense of humor about things. And I don't actually think he believes half the shit he says, which is both a, a, a curse and a blessing. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, in a way I can right, give him a pass right. and yet on that same way, I probably should not give him a pass at all. I should probably, uh, yell at him, but do you think that, I mean, you mentioned that they're not real up on current events, the state of the world politically, you know, socially, anything like that. Do you think that, um, part of the reason that they get so offended by that is that they have essentially put on those new age goggles, uh, much like the older crowd in ufology has put on their ufological goggles and refused to step back out of that to, it's like escapism in a way. It's more than that with the new age. I think it's also a false sense of empowerment, you know, not just the empowerment of this knowledge uh-huh. of yeah. the densities and the, how reality really works, but that all of this is light and love and that we're all progressing and that it's all for the greater good and, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's great shelter in that. Right. From my side of things, I mean, 
looking at the state of ufology when you're listening to some of the, the, the old timers in this, um, it, it seems clear to me that most of them seem resistant to anything that isn't the ETH because it's what they've always done. It's what they've always, you know, pontificated on. It's the direction they've always followed. And it's also where they've lectured the most uh, on. They've written the most books upon. They've built every piece of their research upon this theory, like this must be what it is. And then so to go back is to negate everything that they've done and uh, uh, and, and re-examine it, re-question it. And I don't think too many people are willing to do that. Yeah, I think that's what both camps have in common, both the New Agey and the Nuts and Bolts, is that it's about uh, – their identities. This is yeah. how they identify themselves. And so, and we've said this before in the show to challenge what, what seems to be the status of facts or the status of hypotheses or theories is actually to challenge somebody else's identity. And you don't realize you're doing that until you get into a discussion with them and see what their reaction is. And then you go, Oh, wait a minute. This isn't about what I thought it was about. This isn't about science or getting to the truth. This is about, uh, who you see yourself as and what you want the world to be. Yeah, and what you've built. I mean, what you've built in prior years of you know standing up in front of people and talking about this phenomenon or writing books about it. You, you almost take the, the the logical approach and say, well, you know, when you've written you know five or six books on this and you've always postulated the extraterrestrial hypothesis throughout all of them, and that's your connective tissue throughout everything. You know, it becomes a matter of income. Uh, to, to question that. And, and to me, how great or how big a book would it be uh, for Stanton Friedman, for instance, to write a book now saying, you know what, guys? Maybe I was wrong. Let's examine this direction. I mean, I think that would be a landmark book for somebody like him to examine a truly out of left field theory, whatever that theory might be, whether it's the psychedelic theory, whether it's, you know, the, the feedback loop, whether it's, you know, any of these other alternative uh, looks, I think that that would be an amazing turn for him. I, I, and I think people would be genuinely engaged by that because he's an engaging guy. Um, yeah. I've been saying that for quite some time. I think, but it won't that would happen. Be the, the next big thing that he, Oh could my God. Do. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and instead, you know, you've got the guy, you know, still doing stuff that, that probably has the best handle on this stuff out of anybody, which is is uh, Jacques Vallée. Probably, you know, again, has, has put out a new book and, you know, I, I don't have it yet, but I, I, I'm quite sure in saying that I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of ETH little green men in it. Well, I have it and uh, <laughs> I've started reading it and it's basically in a roundabout way a sequel to Magonia and what's brilliant mm. about it is – he stops his UFO cases at the moment that we first flew. So oh. <laughs> you ain't getting the 1947, this all started with Kenneth Arnold or any of that sort of stuff. Right. And, you know, they, they have different classifications, you know, v, sort of a, well, vehicle, but, you know, thing in the sky, thing with occupants, just occupants. You know, they have uh-huh. these sort of classifications, but... um yeah, I mean they're real. They're real upfront right away with saying, "Look, all of this spaceman stuff um, is interpretation, and we don't deal with interpretation. We just deal with what people saw." Yeah, strip it away, right? Yeah, strip strip away all of the uh, all of the earthbound pedestrian answers that are always coming forth, and just say, "Here's what it is. Here are the facts laid out in front of us, and that's it." 
Um, now you put this book, which is essentially a catalog of, of sightings, and you put that with uh, up against Leslie Kane's book, which is testimony and a catalog of sightings, and mm-hmm. Richard Dolan's book, which is a catalog of sightings and catalog of you know ufological figures. Um, I would love to see somebody put those three because these are the at least those two are the big two, and then Valet's book hasn't even come out yet. But let's just assume that'll be you know part of the triad. Uh huh. And I mean, what do you think is more useful? <laughs> do you? Th- I mean, just even in terms of talking about sightings of things that have happened since flight. I mean, right there, that alone is just like, yeah, you got a point there. Maybe we shouldn't even look at that. Right. Right. Well, if I was going to weigh the worth, I'd put my money on Jacques. <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously. Well, that's it. And I think it's interesting that Jacques has a book and and Graham Hancock, although it's a work of fiction, it was inspired by, you know, the, the ayahuasca voice. Right. Which is out and he's, you know, on his promotional tour, mm-hmm. he's essentially talking about, I mean, he's not really talking about the book so much it looks from from the promotional stuff I'm getting. It looks like he's really lecturing on ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're, you're seeing these alternative views, but it's like, uh, come, you know, coming out now, which is great. I think it's great. And once again, I think it's like, to me personally, it's a sign that the Peritopia quarterly magazine needs to be done right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, we're, we're ripe for the picking at this point to do what we <laughs> want to do. Um, right. but in just looking at it, it's like, okay, uh, so you've got now the Dolan book and the Leslie Kane book. And everyone but everyone, whether they are a disclosure activist or not, who roots for these books to work are rooting for them to um, to be taken seriously by the mainstream and finally have ufology be seen as, you know, for the reality that it is, blah, blah, blah. And then you get Jacques Vallée, who wipes the floor with these people intellectually mm-hmm. uh, and 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 with just into even just intellectual honesty, if I can be so bold. uh are we rooting for his book in the same way? Because if we are, then say goodbye to the other two books because they can't <laughs> exist. They can't exist in the same media narrative. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I think you know where I'm at with that. <laughs> uh, well, I would love to know the people who like Jacques Vallée's work and respect him and ultimately believe that he's more onto something than a Leslie Kane or a Rich Dolan, but like the attractiveness of, a Dolan or a Kane uh, in that they are, you know, attractive to the media in some way, or at least seem to be serious researchers. Um, how would you stack those books up? Would you say, well, I'm glad these two exist, but now that Jacques new book is out, that's the one that we got to, we got to really promote. And that's the one that we've got to be rooting for uh, because it's just more honest in its assessment of what, what is and is not going on here. Right. I mean, what do you do with that? Because again, can you root for all of them? I don't know. Do Do you want me to be honest? I yeah. mean, as far as Rich's book and Leslie's book, I just don't care. I mean, that's my answer, as short as that is. I I just don't care. That is, I'm over that. I'm over the whole disclosure thing. I'm I, I was over that 15 years ago. It, you know, it never seems to go anywhere. It's always. Um, Inside sources say, or even if it's generals saying this, or colonels, or whatever, that's all well and good. You may have seen the phenomena, and it's an interesting uh, an account. I would say Leslie's book is probably interesting in the account. What happened? What did you see? What ha- what occurred? What was the reaction? That that's interesting. I mean, there's nothing uninteresting about that. Um, 
but as far as as looking at it in the sense of these are high ranking military and governmental people, and therefore this this that testimony carries more weight than the average citizen. I mean, that's really what that sort of thing to me is about. It's about this is an astronaut we're talking about, and an astronaut's probably a bad example because that is the ultimate experience, I would think. Um, but that certain witnesses within governmental or military or intelligence circles carries more weight because of who they are. I don't care how you cut it. When it comes right down to it, it's all human perception and interpretation. Again, it goes back to the same thing. So if you want to talk about digging into this uh, and, and stop with the whole surface level of disclosure and testimony and I saw this and I saw that, you, you'd go with Jacques' book. Well, you even in say, Jacques' book, he says, look, these are not crazies and cranks. Right. You know, here's an emperor. <laughs> here's, right, yeah. You know, like he goes down the list of, of various testimony from various people throughout the ages. And it's like, I think what the, the point of this is, um, is that if, if you're asking for disclosure based on these facts, the interpretation of data, well, the narrative that this thing all started in the 40s is just plain wrong, right? So right. so it isn't little aliens that just came here in the 40s and have some finite purpose that we can all understand. At least we don't think so because it didn't start in the 40s. Right. So once you throw that out, well, okay, that narrative's gone. And then you look at, well, what makes more sense then? Does it make more sense that what the people in a Leslie Kane book are reporting uh, is what they think it is? Because that's what the premise is, right? We all think that this is aliens or something. And of course, Leslie Kane won't say that. She'll say, well, we still don't know what this is. Right. We, we just want it disclosed. Um, but whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. But that's you know, bullshit. <laughs> you're, you're, you're pumping aliens here. That's what you're pumping. Right. And, uh, so, I mean, do we not want somebody who actually looks at the data and tries to make sense of it in a larger, more realistic cross-cultural context? Or do we just want well, someone yeah. who can get the media's attention by saying, "Look, I can prove um, that aliens exist and that the government <laughs> needs to disclose it." <laughs> well, that depends on what camp and ufology you're in, doesn't it? I mean, if you're talking about the majority of people out there uh, who are very tied into the whole ETH, I mean, go again, go with the mass public opinion. What is this? It's little green men from Planet X. It's extraterrestrial. That's what it is. And so then Richard's book and, uh, and Leslie Kane's book feed into that aspect of it. If you're not looking at surface level um, you know, hocus pocus and dog and pony show and you want to see a little bit deeper into this and you want to and, – and not only look at it from uh, uh, cross-cultural but also drawing parallels into different historical folklorish or whatever we would call folklorish but uh, – Drawing the lines from this to psychedelics, to folklore, to uh, uh, cultural icons, to archetypes, to psychological – I mean all of that I think is a hell of a lot more valuable because it's not making the immediate assumption of it flies in the sky. They don't look like us. It must be spacemen. I mean really, that, that's what all this comes down to. I would like to know where that actually started. Like where did somebody first cite something and go – they must be from another planet. I mean, why would that be the first thing you jump to? Well, because again, because we're the technological age, right? So mm -hmm. that's where we were looking in terms of science fiction and all of that. It was like we were looking at 
canals on Mars? Are there canals? Mm-hmm. All the sci-fi was about aliens and all that. So now you've got these things called, you know, dubbed flying saucers, which are mm-hmm. seem to be metallic, seem to be, uh, you know, at least that, that becomes the narrative of them. They're sort of mm-hmm. metallic round objects that look like intelligently controlled technology. Well, if it's not us, what else is it? Well, the only other thing we've got our gaze on at this point is aliens. So it's got to mm-hmm. be aliens. It's got to be that. Yeah. So it's strictly based on our own reflection. That's what it's based on. It's based on our own reflection of technology and our own scope of science at the time is where that came from. And so as everything is progressing, you know, where is that leading us? So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, nowhere to me is that going anywhere. That's not going anywhere. Whereas I think some, something like what Jacques has just written probably is going to crack open a few more eggshells and um, – and be worth more in terms of studying this in a realistic way and not so much in a wish-fulfilling way. Right. You know, what's also weird is probably a lot of it was ingrained in us because of the War of the Worlds broadcast, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, here's uh, here's Wells you know, telling us it's aliens. Mm-hmm. These flying saucers are real and they're aliens and they're attacking and all this sort of stuff. And, I mean, why would we look at some fictionalized thing that gave fear to the, you know, people who heard it over the radio (laughs) and have that dictate to us how we examine this thing for, you know, the next several decades. I mean, that's just kind of outlandish on the face of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's absurd. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you, you, you mentioned Graham Hancock's new book and, uh, he was actually on boingboing.net. Um, very large, very popular blogosphere of a site. And, and he, he talked about his book. That was like his, one of his first posts on there. I, I don't know if he's guest blogging, whether he's always on there or has access to be a poster of, of that information on there. But I read maybe the first 10 replies, genuinely pretty hostile. I mean, pretty hostile stuff. I mean, uh, I, I I didn't get too far into it because I was I was at work and I was kind of looking on, on the periphery, but you know I mean essentially saying ayahuasca, all of these different things are um, giving us view or altering our perception to see something that's always surrounding us, and uh, that uh, the nature of hallucination is highly questionable uh, just because the consistency of uh, of experience and, and so on and so forth. We we know what he has said on the show and um man the reaction there uh from people at large uh, some people were intrigued by it but uh, most of people are saying you know this whole ayahuasca thing i liked it better when it was uh unknown it's gotten to be fashionable to talk about ayahuasca and uh and then the, the notion that uh that ingesting these chemicals uh gives you some kind of altered perception to see these beings that are around us that you think are external for us when we're all you know experiencing the same altered brain chemistry, blah, blah, blah. It's just absurd. And um, uh, I think one person even chastised him for basically not promoting drug use, but, you know, saying that there's something to be gained from this in, in the sense of uh, therapy, which medical data does dictate that there's been amazing accomplishments with addiction and, and psychedelics and all of that. So genuinely very, kind of a negative response to what he was talking about, which would surprise me really out of that crowd over there. Hmm. 
Very I'm, curious. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the the correlation between exactly the kind of reaction you get in ufology when you mention alternate theories of that, when they mention alternate theories in, you know, in the psychedelic realm when they're talking about uh, uh, Strassman or Hancock or any of these people or McKenna, uh, you know, you get – a lot of people very interested, but then you also get a lot of hostile responses to exactly what people are experiencing, which I guess it's up for debate. I get it. Well, at least that one guy just sounds like a complete dweeb, you know, like, <laughs> oh, it's too fashionable now to talk about ayahuasca. Let's mm-hmm. move on to something else. Right, right. I mean, I was just like, what does that mean? Ayahuasca is so yesterday. I drink that for coffee in the morning. So anyway, you want uh, more evidence that uh, even ufology is on a downward slide. As if we didn't know that already. Do I ever? <laughs> Filer's Files. Ever hear of that? I'm George on Filer's Files. Yes, George Filer. <clears throat> George Filer, MUFON Eastern Region Director. Got his uh, Filer's Files number 43 for 2010 today. And uh, gosh, by golly, what do you see as the cover story? Photo of UFO taken in the Alps near Hassenbol, Switzerland by Billy Meyer. Is this a new photo? No. <laughs> Damn it. What happened? Did they stop coming around? Yes. Huh. Y- yes. <laughs> so you scroll down a little bit in the uh, on the email here, and you see uh, NASA JPL scientists among the first to endorse Billy Meyer photos. And, of course, it's the same you know, U.S. rep song and dance of, you know, uh, Michael Malin and Robert Post and Marcel Vogel and David Ferning. The, all these people uh, – you know, they, they first found the authenticity of Billy Myers' photographs. These were the first people. You know, it's just basically a rehash of the same crap that's already been disputed and known. And then underneath of that, I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, maybe maybe he just got kind of badgered and he figured, out, oh, well, I'll, I'll shut him up and put it in. No, editor's note, Wendell Stevens personally assured me the Meyer photos were authentic. Well, there you have it. <laughs> God damn. Rest his soul. Uh, I'm just like, are you kidding me, really? MUFON, Eastern Regional Director. He's a respectable deity, <laughs> Wendell Stevens. Uh, what? I mean, come on. I mean, let's, let's, uh, I, I, don't even, I mean, where do you even go with that? I mean, come on, George Filer. Come on, George. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'll tell you what the most offensive thing about that is. It's that you're still talking about anything from way back then. Oh, yeah. You talk about these alleged aliens doing the same thing over and over again, like broken robots. And then you look at the ufologists and it's like, you know, you can have, say, a dry day or a dry week or a dry, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. (laughs) <laughs> and instead of letting it go, they'll just keep talking about the same cases over and over again. Yeah, yeah. To the to the extent to where they'll even resurrect complete horseshit like Billy Meyer. Yeah. I, I mean, I almost wonder if they do that so that they can conveniently forget that they knew it was horseshit so that they can argue it again and figure it out again and have something to, you know, have their mind tease something out and be mentally active you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, you wonder. And and frankly, I mean, I most times when I look at, at George's stuff, I mean, there's he puts some interesting stories in most of the time. And it is. It, it's uh, 
uh, every once in a while you get the the lens flare or uh, the the light aberration or the hair in front of the lens type of thing photographs that he posted here and you go oh well okay you know once in a while some of them are fairly interesting I mean he's got one excuse me here for a Louisiana cylinder obviously a cylindrical object rounded at both ends it's it's, it's odd looking I would like to see more of those photos I would like to you know see the original photos but you know when I saw this I was like so I'm like what is this what what is going on I don't know George I don't know how he knew Wendell Stevens, but I mean that he personally assured him that the Meyer photos were authentic is like, well, you know, come on. And I'm not just saying this because Wendell's passed away. It's, it's, I mean, this is a guy who bullshitted more than I could possibly imagine uh, when it came to the UFO thing. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, come on, give me a break. I mean, this case alone, let alone that he was jailed. Well, yeah, well, there's that. Um, I mean, come on. It's just this is a, that that is still the most prime example of the horseshit in this field, and uh, and always will be to me. That'll always be the poster child for bullshit. So, doesn't it also say in that Filer's Files that that this report comes from the representative of the Billy that's, Meyer case? That's that's correct. Yes, absolutely. So, and, is George is George Filer not uh, affiliated with uh, that that man's work? I mean, is he completely uh, I, oblivious to Billy Meyer and his American representative? Or who, who knows? Who knows? I mean, he who can't knows? be right. He's the head of a MUFON organization. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little surprised that you know you've got MUFON Eastern Regional Director there, and and yet right right below it, literally right below it, is a a, a Meyer picture that is then you know I've I've been assured these are authentic. Um, I mean, I certainly hope that's not reflective of MUFON. That's all I can say, but it's right there above it. Well, I mean, from the MUFON people that I've met, these are not bright human beings. <laughs> well, these are uh, people who got their fucking decoder ring in a Cracker Jack box and they call themselves, you know, MUFON directors. Well, I mean, I, I think it depends on where you are. I think there are definitely some good folks at MUFON and in MUFON, but I'm sure there are, but it doesn't matter. It's like, once again, like everything else in ufology, you put an unqualified person up next to a qualified person, and they're right. and they're, they're they might as well be you know to Joe Joe Observer they're they're the same person exactly yeah that's that's been a long standing problem so I don't know I mean I don't know what that's all about but I saw that this morning I was like oh my god are you kidding me uh, this crap is resurfacing yet again come on George why would you why would you do this why um. You know, I, I don't know if it goes back to the what we've talked about before, which is like the elderly syndrome of, you know, do older people have to have something like this to answer questions for them in some way? I don't know. I mean, I've always been kind of fascinated to go to UFO conferences, and we've talked about this before that, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of, uh, you know, 55, 60 and up at these things. And I mean, what are they, what are they looking for? You know, I mean, they're looking for proof of something, but uh, maybe maybe that's maybe that's part of what it is. I don't know. I got a question. I mean, I, I've stopped following following Billy Myers' work since he started <laughs> flinging a flaming Brillo pad around his head and saying it was a spaceship. <laughs> but uh, yes. I, I'm just curious: is, is there a, a mythological reason in the canon of Monsieur Meyer as to why uh, these aliens, these Plajarans, have not come back? God, why would you ask such a thing? 
Why is he not still taking photos of them? I mean, besides the advent of the internet and people with Photoshop who can figure Thank out you. where the string is, like why? Right. Why would? He, why is he no longer? Why are they not contacting him in such a way anymore? Well, it's. it's I, I think if I'm not mistaken, and I may be because I don't follow it either. That that everything is contact wise, those those have stopped. I don't know why exactly he said they stopped. Now it's all telepathic, which again, it's convenience. Like I think. <laughs> I mean. I think I know the profile of a Meyer believer at this point well enough to say, well, how many more photos do you need? How many more, how much more proof do you need? I mean, you know, look at all these, there's, uh, you know, over a thousand photographs. There's uh, contact notes dating back to such and such that accurately predict all this and that, whatever. I mean, um, it's because uh, there's computers in Photoshop. <laughs> That's why. That's why. <laughs> I mean, you want, the, that's the answer. Uh, because when you when you go, I mean, years ago, when you talk about the challenge put forth by uh, uh, by by the, the Meyer rep, uh, duplicate these photographs, do this, do that, which I'm like, okay, well, I'm not sure what that'll prove, but sure, you can do that with models in a string very easily. And here's how, and here's why it works, and here's the similarities between this and that. In talking to Different people who have examined the stuff way back when, Malin, when you hear about uh, – I think it was Robert Post. Uh, these people were not given negatives per se, at least not any of them that I've been able to talk to or contact in some way. Um, uh, I believe – I mean and you have to excuse me because I've been out of touch for this for a while and I purposely ignore it because it's garbage and uh, and not worth the time. But – even back in the day, when you're talking about examining the negatives and the actual, you know, prints and or slides, um, uh, I would say aside from Jim Delatoso, I don't know of anybody in the quote unquote expert bracket they've conveniently concocted as these people authenticate. They don't authenticate them, first of all. That's that's the first thing. But there have been several of them have said that. Uh, they weren't shown, you know, uh, negatives. They weren't shown direct prints. They weren't shown. They were given a lithograph. One man was given one. I think it was Robert Post said, you know, I realized these were lithographs. These weren't prints. And so what can you do with that? That's a print process. There's nothing I can do with that. Uh, so I would say, I mean, for my money uh, and, and my opinion only, uh, the fix was in from the get-go. I don't think anybody got anything of value to study to start with. I'm pretty sure that Malin told me he was given um, uh, an image file on a, um, you know, a computer image file and not so much a, uh, a printer negative. A- again, to put this stuff up to a third party right now, uh, if you had, which they don't, they claim they don't have any negatives out of all those you know, over 1,000, um, they don't have any of them anymore. All the negatives are gone. All the original prints are gone. Convenient, right? No, it doesn't mis- sound like it. I mean, if you want to get to the bottom of this, that sounds like the least convenient thing that could happen for you. Well, yeah. <laughs> right? Convenient. So it's not able to be tested by today's standards. We only have a very murky investigation of this. And, and quite, I mean, at least when we talked to Jim at the X conference, Delatoso, he said, you know, you mentioned the wedding cake ship, which is something that they tout all the time. Yeah, no, those were clearly models. I remember, I remember sitting there listening to him say this. I mean, I heard it with my own ears. 
Um, and I think you've got it on tape. I mean, come on. What more do you need? Um, and he was actually a little bit irritated at how he, his work had been portrayed uh, by that whole camp. Uh, I don't know. I mean, why isn't there any more photos coming out? Why isn't that happening? Because there's ways to test for this now. And there's, you know, there's EXIF data for digital stuff. There's uh, ways to check with Photoshop. There's ways to check with any number of different ways. And, you know, you can't get away with stuff as easy as you could back in the 70s. I mean, that's the answer. I don't know. I know that he had a gun, right? An alien gun. <laughs> yeah. Then interestingly, the tip is uh, an exact facsimile of a Japanese toy ray gun. Well, what happened to the gun? Do we know? Did they take it back, the aliens? Oh, who in the hell man? Yeah, of course they took it back. Where is it? <laughs> I like you that know? there's video footage of him walking around with a gun. There's video footage of the hole in the tree that the gun produced, but there's no image of him firing the gun. The, at the gun, tree. right? It's just it's like how much more ludicrous does this need to get? And, it, and it's still kicking around. I mean, well, it's a cartoon. I mean, you know, but it's to me, it's the poster child of what not to be, what not to look at in this stuff. I mean, you know, that goes without saying. I mean, come on, you don't want to with that crap. But um, it's not like it's the only one. Let's be realistic it's not the only one i mean there's still people out there talking about any number of cases that they feel strongly are evidence of this phenomena that you know you look at it and you go what are you talking about i mean when you talk about these people who have built such a foundation uh upon their their so-called evidence and it looks like based on not so much the evidence they presented but what they say in response to the question, why are they here? What do they want? What, that's where it starts to get into all sorts of religious, you know, flavors. And it, it takes on a, uh, uh, a kind of a cultish type air to it. And then you go, Oh, well, I see what's going on here. You know, I don't, I'm not happy with religion as it's been presented to me all my life. So I'm going to make my own and this will be my, this will be my cornerstone for, uh, creating this, I'll get the attention with the sensational evidence that you know I will st- ardently defend, no matter what the outcome is. Uh, but it'll give me a chance to push my ideologies to whomever I choose, and and have a following listening, you know, a, a following uh, of sorts for that. So that's to me, that's what it comes out being. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. Did you follow the the dude who you know predicted that UFOs would show up on the thirteenth? No. All right. Because, you know, people are trying to put this together. And I believe he said UFOs would show up over major cities all over the world. Mm -hmm. And the fact that balloons showed up in New York is like, oh, my God, there's a connection. You know, it's like, no, no. But people are so just dying to make these connections um, that I I don't know. I feel like we're actively trying to find them now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like who even knew who this obscure guy with this obscure book Right. Uh, was, except that somebody really wants to make connections. And I, I feel like we've really got to watch this in ourselves, especially heading toward 2012. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it does oh, matter whether or not we make wrong connections. It just does. That's the way things work. Yeah. Well, I, I have a feeling this is just the beginning of, um, you know, what we've seen the past couple of weeks is just the beginning of this kind of knee jerk um, responses to these kind of things i mean i think i think you're right i think as we approach 2012 i think it's going to get a whole lot more frequent and a whole lot worse well I, th- I thought what was interesting was that i asked alan 
if the Mayan elders or any of the indigenous folks at the gathering, I mean, assuming they're not con artists, I don't know. Uh, but let's assume they are who they say they are, which mm-hmm. is a big leap of faith for me. Mm-hmm. Um, do they agree on what's going to happen in 2012? And the answer is no. Nobody seems to really know. Nobody seems to agree. Um, and that it's not an end date to them anyway. It's just another day in the calendar. <laughs> so, wow. you know, whatever. Uh, but what did I want to say? Oh, yeah. One of the questions that I had for them was... Um, and I put this out there to anyone who's had any sort of contact with these beings or claims to have some sort of elite status where they are channeling an alien or they are, you know, having a one-on-one galactic federation contact. <laughs> right. Do these beings tell you anything that you could not learn from another human? Right. Is there anything here that doesn't sound like new age or Buddhism or some sort of religious mysticism? Um, and of course, Alan's answer was, well, Jeremy, you were contacted, you know, what did they tell you? you you've you had this happen. And my answer is, uh, yes, and they told me nonsense. <laughs> 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 I mean, one of the things was cool, like, um, I understand hither, thither, and in that understanding shall neither be swept away nor carried on the seas of time. Well, one, that doesn't sound very alien. <laughs> and right. two, um, it did make sense to me, or perhaps I made sense of it, but it's still not something... Um, that I couldn't have come to on my own or, right. you, know, you know what I mean? Or even saying, do we humans not understand that other planets cannot help us if we continue to block them out and kill ourselves? Right. What does that mean? You know, like that's pretty vague. Um, and again, not something that is um, evidence of anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's, is there anything that you can even think of Jeff that was in any sort of testimony of channeling or of contact um that, that struck you as, well, that person couldn't have known that. Um, humans couldn't have known that. That had to have been an outside entity. Mm, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> not that, not, no, not in recent memory, no. I mean, one thing for me that runs tandem to your question is, have I ever heard anybody say something in terms of contact with some sort of being that's not clearly not human, that what they have been told is similar in character to things that I've heard on my own uh, from these things. And, and the question for that is the absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's not that it's not anything none of us could have known, uh, but it's the, it's the attitude in which it's said, it's the way it's conveyed. It's the, 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 the I don't know, the, the cryptic tone to it all. Uh, it, yeah. It's very familiar. Um and I think especially when it came to uh, uh, to talking to uh, Dennis McKenna on the phone for a couple hours one Sunday afternoon before we interviewed him. I mean, we had a really long talk, and I, I wanted to know so much more about the mushroom voice. I wanted to hear so more, much more about what, how does it say, what's its attitude, what's it like, you know, what's it feel like. And the way he described it was like, yeah, that's – that's alien. That's alien to me. That's that's that attitude. That's that sardonic humor. That's that, you know, uh, what do you want me to tell you? Well, I want to know the answer to everything. Well, I could tell you, but you're not that bright. You really won't get it. So here's just a little bit. That's like so the kind of attitude, not necessarily the, the verbiage that I've heard, but that kind of flavor to everything is definitely present. That I've had. 
have I ever heard anything like you're talking about? Like they couldn't possibly. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so what do you think it is about us where we really, really want to believe that this is aliens, but when, when pressed to, um, well, we, we seem to know what that means, right? We seem to know, okay, if they're, if we think they're aliens, we know what that means. They're either little malevolent doctors, uh-huh. uh, or they're space brothers and they're trying to acclimate us to join the bigger community. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I defy anyone to find them telling us anything alien. Yeah. Uh, so where is it? Like, how is this possible? Um, including people who have asked them just what you're saying, you know, show me the bigger picture. What is the bigger picture? Right. I mean, the closest to that that I know of probably is Strieber, right? Where he's basically, you know, you, you ain't going to get it. It's a box within a box and you don't get to see it. So fuck off, kid. Right. <laughs> get out of my hair. And what yeah. does that tell you? And what does that answer tell you? It tells you this isn't aliens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's something bigger, something far more complex than that. You know, I think that's what gets under our dander so much about this whole thing is that, you know, we look at what so many people want to put upon this this whole subject and how they want to. I mean, everybody in ufology talks about thinking outside the box, right? That's, that's where everybody goes. Yeah, when you really look at it, you take the UFO goggles off and you take a step back. No one's thinking out of the fucking box. Everybody's still in the box. And uh, now it's we're in this extraterrestrial uh, flesh and blood aliens that are coming here, interacting with the environment, and the population. This is happening. We know this. No, you don't know it. <laughs> you don't know it. And yet it continues over and over and over, whether it's media, whether it's the Internet, whether it's um, a conference, it, it keeps on going in that direction. Wouldn't you, well, let me ask you, wouldn't you say that uh, that you see a little bit of a turn or a nudge in the way of ufology? And I'm not talking about major figures now. I'm talking about people you interact with, uh, not only our listeners, but other people you just might meet in passing who see a bigger picture to the, the UFO thing than the ETH. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, more than you used to, right? I mean, it, it you, you you see more of that, or you hear more of that than you used to. Well, certainly, I mean, Tim Banal is someone who started off as a disclosure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if advocate is the right term, but certainly was attracted to the disclosure thing until he investigated it, and then, you know, comes out the other side seeing a larger unexplained pattern. Uh, right. And then, of course, you got Nick Redfern, who um, sort of subscribes to more of a tricksterish type thing, and Greg Bishop. Oh. I think also does. And right. Yeah. So I think, I think more and more people, and I think, again, I think Jacques Vallée, just the fact that he has a new book by a major publisher, it's Tarcher Penguin. Uh-huh. Um, I think that will do some damage to this whole field. Finally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finally. Thank God. Yeah. And, and maybe we should even refine our questions, you know, so it's, I, I don't know, just our questions to ufology about their nuts and bolts stance. You know, maybe uh, we just come up with an outline of questions and be like, okay, answer these questions since you believe that this is aliens. One, how long have these things been with us? And if you say beyond 1947, how long do they have to be with us before they're no longer alien? Right. Two, how come they don't say anything alien? <laughs> Three, how come they're still doing the same crap, you know, according to this hypnotically retrieved testimony now that they've been doing for the last like 60 years when... It wouldn't take us that long in their advanced race. You know, 
well, just put these questions out there, you know? And, like, why is it not okay to be something else? You yeah. know, I'd really like to know that. Beyond, you know, the Stan Friedmans of the world who have made a, a living off of and an identity off this, but just for people who don't, don't have that, I mean, would, would it be so bad if it were something anomalous? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh... They didn't get into this to question it. They got into this to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about laying out a, a line of questions to ask these people, I, I, I'll make a prediction right now. I mean, if you actually do that and, and, uh, and put that out there, you, you won't get a whole lot of answers. Uh, you won't get people to answer it. Um, uh, because... Essentially, I did that on uh, on the updates list, and essentially, when I uh, said that you know there's all sorts of other ways to look at this, and there are all sorts of other ways to kind of approach this thing because the direction we've been going hasn't really afforded us anything. The only argument that there is there is that there's a lack of convincing data that points to extraterrestrial visitors. Um, but yet, we always know where these UFO cases go. Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 we don't have the technology that can do this, so it must be somewhere, you know, something extraterrestrial, you know, been. That's where it goes. Um, uh, if you've got an unknown case, then essentially uh, they're open ended. They don't point conclusively to extraterrestrials. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not arguing for a theory in this. I mean, this is this is important to this whole discussion. You know, I'm not arguing for a theory. Um, I, I'm arguing that, by and large, ufology has picked a prevailing theory that doesn't fit. And so now it's time to start looking elsewhere. Um, and I'll also argue that uh, we don't know, uh, and we ought to look at other places before building this entire belief system upon all this. This is what is so resistant to this, is because... This is well-founded <laughs> on nothing, but it's still well-founded in the public's view of this and in ufology's view of this. And so, you know, when you talk about any kind of alternate theory, I think, and this is, this is just my opinion from the interactions I've had, uh, not only with the updates list, but elsewhere around the net, the minute you bring up an alternate theory uh, or you say alternate theories to this or that you're not an ETH subscriber, you get one of two things. You're a debunker, number one. Or your alternate theory or other directions means demonic forces, uh, fairies, uh, or as Jerome Clark put it on the UFO updates list, wild ass theories. I, I think it says a lot about the climate of ufology when you know you're, you're talking about alternate theories and you're saying you know the ETH doesn't ETH doesn't seem to fit. Why doesn't it fit? What, where else can we look? And that is arbitrarily retitled to be calling bashing the ETH, which is like I said, putting a target on your back. Um, uh, at some point, somebody has got to speak up for the subjective nature of this, um, that looking into human consciousness and the nature of perception and reality, as far as we go as human beings, while it may not directly be of like large interest to a lot of people, um, that that might give us small strings to pull on that might lead us back to ufology um, 
with maybe a better or alternate way of looking at things that, that might get us some progress in this. That's, I would just like to see, if nothing else in my lifetime, a little bit of progress or a little bit of better understanding to ask the better questions. So I'm not interested in believing anything, um, you know, but um, again, you, you know, you can bring these issues up to the hardcore ETH diehards, the old school guys. And, you know, I've, I've experienced this. It's right in front of me. Literally, you won't get an answer. Um, you'll get, I've got other things to do. I can't be bothered um, with this. You know, um, uh, Jerry Clark said to me that there's nothing here for me to further discuss with you. I responded to your original posting only to dispute the baseless notion that non-ET speculators are persecuted by fellow ufologists. What? <laughs> They're not? Well, you need to get out more is my answer because yes, they do. You do get flack for that. You know, yeah, how and, does he uh, say that? And then he's giving you flack in that thread. I don't get it. Well, well, exactly. I mean, so I, I would predict that would be the kind of reaction that you will get. It's, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for your nonsense because, uh, I'm not interested in, in conflicting with your beliefs. I'm not interested in arguing with you and your beliefs. I, I'm like, I have no beliefs. You know, I'm not interested in believing anything. Um, I said I brought up several issues in response to to your reply to me, which you chose not to address. That's fine. You know, I mean, for me, it's 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 it seems fairly typical, it, at least in this subject, for people to pick their answers and ignore what isn't in their best interest in the discussion to even answer. That's really what I found. If it's not in their interest to to debate it, the debate won't happen. Because it's not in their best interest to talk about that because that's something they can't answer. And so I don't think you'll get an answer to your questions. The hardcore ones. I mean, there are a lot more, too, besides what you brought up. And now it's time to say goodnight. Really? It's all it's over already? I don't know. You want to continue on? I'm sure people would love to hear us battle. No, no, it's fine. I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes i think we've exhausted the eth topic because people already know how we feel yeah yeah we're interchangeable at this point you and i (laughs) in many ways ew yes well it's weird i find myself uh saying things that i feel as though i've always felt but i know i've heard you say more than me so then i'm like geez should i preface this by saying as as my friend and co-host Jeff Ritzman says, <laughs> or do I just say them? Just say them. I mean, it should be obvious. I mean, it, it, it should be obvious. It should be obvious to a lot more people. That's what worries me about this whole thing. You know, if you take out the lunatic fringe part of this and you take out, uh, you know, the, the, the rampant New Age ramblers, and if you remove all that, you've still got a core people out there Um otherwise pretty intelligent people who are hook, line and sinker swallowed into it's extraterrestrial, you know? I mean, there's, and there's just, well, again, I say it doesn't fit. I mean, I say, look at it, just but it's look levels at of it. denial. And the, the level is that they don't realize, or they're not going to acknowledge that they're, they're the one with the belief system and that that belief system is to protect the identity that they've formed around the belief because, yeah. again, they're in this to answer and not to question. 
Uh, so for Jerome Clark to say to you or to allude even, uh, well, I don't want to argue because clearly this is your belief. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like when the really dumb guy says, oh, you're fucking stupid. Right. And you're like, no, you don't get it. You're so stupid that you can't get that you're stupid, that you're the dumb one here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same thing here, except without stupidity. It's just belief. It's like, no, you're the one with the belief, dude. Don't you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, mean how, but how do you explain that to people? You know, like how well, do you make it so that they see it? See, to me, I got uh, kind of a <sighs> Jerome Clark speaks a lot about uh, experiences, and then speaks about you know, there's there's a an experiential part of this, and then there's you know the the reality part of it, and I think that. I don't, I don't fully understand his take and I've listened to him speak before and excuse me. And I've listened to how he kind of interprets that, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, um, uh, you know, when you're talking about experiences, I think that, uh, yeah, you can easily dismiss those as just experiences. And then you have evidential cases where there is some sort of, you know, physical trace case or, or whatever, uh, marks or um, photographs or whatever. Th- those things, to me, are, they're, they're no less important than the experiential cases are. I kind of put them in the same thing. I think ufology has long said, well, that's just – that's your say-so. That's an experience. But there is something to be said for experience. There's something to be said for people who have the courage to talk about uh, – their experience with with complete honesty but that's see that's the problem is that ufology has created this climate where you can't talk about this in any other way but the preconceived way that the foundation has been laid down that's where you get that disconnect between experiential uh data and 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 hardcore data you know hard you know hard pictures um landing cases this sort of all of that interactive stuff that's where the problem lies is that the experiential cases are kind of put in a corner and said, well, eh, we don't know about you, but here we've got something we can put our hands on. And that's not dissimilar from what uh, Bruce McAbee said to you at, um, in response to your question at the X conference. You know, When you're talking about the ETH, I can get my hands on that. I can get my, my handle onto that. And, um, and the other stuff, I don't know where to go with that. That's you know we've been we've been saying this for a while, and the answer is well we should learn we should. Well, what would try, they what would they say know. to somebody like a Jacques Vallée who has cataloged this and categorized this and done the work of a scientist as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, what Jerome Clark is saying is just you know spouting off nonsense or whatever? I mean, how can you argue with a scientist who is doing science and coming up with something different than? Then what is essentially your interpretation based on your culture and your wants? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you argue that? It's not. It's no longer oh. just a philosophical <laughs> argument. Now you've got a book of evidence in front of you, right. and how they drew that evidence, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, how do you argue that? Well, I don't think you do. But unfortunately, you said earlier the same problem that we've been talking about for a while is that everybody would see this as the same thing. Uh, or, or coming from the same source. It's all just arguing amongst themselves where I view Jacques being outside of this festering boil. I don't see him as even paying any mind to it, which is great. And I'm glad he doesn't because um, it's the source of, of a great load of aggravation. 
um, and hopelessness. I think you know to get anywhere in this or to, uh, as I said on my blog, uh, you know the the answer is to put your head down, forget the nonsense, and just do the work. And when you do that, I don't think there's a whole lot of repercussion that can come back if you've done the work. Here it is. I've laid it out. What's your argument for this? Um, there isn't one. Uh, unfortunately, this field views everyone's opinions in the same light. They're all equally valid. That's the problem. That's the problem. Remember Book of Tooth? Remember that? Nope. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. That was our first foray into saying, um, you know, not every opinion is as valid as every other one. There are educated opinions. There are non-educated opinions, but they both seem to hold the same weight in this club, and that doesn't make any sense. Right. So there you are. Well, there you have it. And we move on from here. <laughs> That's right. Um, so anything we need to mention on the way out? Well, yeah, Jer, I think we should say this is the last show um, that we're doing as a whole. From now on, you all belong to us. Subscribe at paratopia.net. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> or just order single episodes for a mere dollar twenty-five an episode. <laughs> right. Thank you, Jeremy Slimy Salesman. That's right. From here on out, we're whoring ourselves. Right. That's it. Um, and uh, and you know, I think uh, I think big things are afoot for us. We're going to be doing a lot more with the show. And uh, Jeremy just informed me of. Uh, amazing interview that we're going to be getting hooked up with soon. So you're not going to want to miss that. Yes. We have actually, I think several powerhouse interviews lined up. Yeah. 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 So we're definitely trying to go the extra mile for, uh, the subscriber base and we hope, uh, we hope you guys will come along for the ride. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I feel like we should mention that the message board, that the subscriber message board is not going to be, uh, even close to the same thing as the regular message board. And so we're hoping that the regular message board remains as lively and vibrant oh, yeah. uh, as it is now. So I don't want anyone to get the sense that we're like abandoning the message board part of the program or anything like that. Um, just for subscribers. Um, it'll, it'll be its own unique monster. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, for my money, I think it's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more personal and a little, it's a little bit closer than the, the big message board, which is, like far reaching expounding stuff. I think, I think the uh, members only board is going to be a little bit more. Think of it as, Oh, a small coffee house on the internet. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, it's, it's a Starbucks in the middle of Woodstock. Wait, what? That's cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. We will see you next week. Yes, we will. When our guest will be, you'll find out. Right. Good night. Bye. <laughs>